MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. Today, Mitch McConnell blocks unanimous consent to pass the $2,000 relief checks as Bernie Sanders filibusters to force a Senate vote. Colorado reports a case of the UK COVID variant. A judge dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop suit filed by the Mac store guy. Biden will invoke the Defense Production Act as the vaccine distribution lags behind its goals. A judge blocks a voter purge in two Georgia counties. Megan Rapino and Billie Jean King sign a brief with 174 athletes supporting trans women in sports. Trump is so mad about Melania's Mar-a-Lago renovations that he goes golfing about it. And Kelly Loeffler's conflict of interest is worse than previously thought. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. And I was worried that we wouldn't have enough news for the <laughs> I day. I know. Yesterday you were like, we're going to stretch it out. And today you're like, all right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not stopping. <laughs> oh, well, we're here to tell you all about it anyway. Um, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to have Renato Mariotti on. You know, we had our own little sort of armchair lawyer discussion about how ridiculous the Louis Gohmert lawsuit was. So we're going to get some legal insight into that. He's the host of the On Topic podcast. And uh, we have the good news later. Obvious. I'm trying with dude. I'm trying. Nice catch. No, that's all right. Nice catch. And, and we do have the good news uh, later on. And of course, tomorrow, I'm excited to be joined by Olivia Troy. Her and I are going to discuss the failure of the Trump administration on vaccine distribution, which Dana is going to go over a little bit later in the show. So we do have a lot of headlines to get to, as you might have noticed. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so the lead story is what happened on the Senate floor today. Let's take a listen. Would the senator modify his request to include a unanimous consent request that the Senate, to include unanimous consent that the Senate proceed to the immediate consideration of H.R. 9051, a bill received from the House to increase recovery rebate amounts to $2,000 per individual, that the bill be read a third time and passed, the motion to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table with no intervening action or debate. Is there objection to the modification? Object. Objection is heard. He's such a douche. He's such, it's like, it's a, it's, and he does, it's like a, t- a cartoon turtle with a piece of cloth over his mask and he's just like, object. Wait, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> just pretend like they didn't hear it and just keep going. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I know. What was that? We don't know. Let's move on. Uh, no objections. Okay. It's passed with unanimous consent. But yeah, that I object there at the end is Mitch ta- uh, tanking unanimous consent for the clean bill. The clean bill passed Monday by the House that would increase relief payments from 600 to $2,000. As I said yesterday, and I saw this coming, Luffler and Purdue now support the $2,000 checks, yep. as do Josh Hawley, Republican, he's a Republican from Missouri, Lindsey Graham, and Marco Rubio. Now, they need 60 votes to pass the bill, and so 12 Republicans can defect and vote with Democrats, and the bill still won't pass. Yesterday, I said Mitch would allow Leffler and Purdue to support the bill because they're trying to win their seats in Georgia. But, you know, just two weeks ago, both argued against $600 because of the deficit, and they said socialism. Now, 
speaking of socialism, Bernie Sanders has decided to filibuster the vote on the NDAA. That's the vote to override the veto, because as we know, Trump vetoed the NDAA. That's separate from the COVID relief bill, separate from the omnibus bill. Uh, and that w- that vote was due in the Senate tomorrow. So that's the bill that includes the stuff about Confederate bases and shell companies making it hard for money launderers and all of that. It's the bill that gives military members raises and has appropriations for defense spending. And it is a bill that for the past 60 years always carries major bipartisan support. And the president vetoed it, and it's expected that that veto would be overridden. It was overridden in the House yesterday. Well, Bernie is delaying that Senate override vote of the NDAA to try to force Mitch to allow the Senate to vote on the $2,000 stimulus checks. But Bernie can't do that forever. He can only delay the vote for a few days, but he's going to try. Now, McConnell says that the Senate will vote for the override of the NDAA on Wednesday. And while these debates are playing out on the Senate floor, Trump is golfing. Of course. And uh, this just in, McConnell is adding poison pills to the stimulus check vote for tomorrow, meaning McConnell is adding shit to a clean bill. The, the bill was a clean $2,000 check bill to make it easier for people uh, to, to get through this pandemic. You know, everybody is like, yeah, even the president's like $2,000. Everyone's like $2,000, but Mitch doesn't want it. So he's adding a poison pill to kill the bill. And what those poison pills are, are that Section 230 amendment for, you know, um, social media companies and um, to create a panel (laughs) to to assemble a commission to look into 2020 election fraud. So the plan is clear for Republicans to vote against $2,000 checks without looking like the trash monsters they are. He's adding these things and, and all the while letting Loeffler and Purdue pretend like they've supported this the entire time to try to trick Georgians into voting for them. So that's what's happening. I really hope enough, um, even at this point, Georgians have, one, already voted ahead, uh, that that's done and that they just don't fall for this shit over and over. It's really frustrating. I do know that. I mean, I'm going to say this. Republicans will, but I'm just hoping that the Democrats that are going to get out and vote realize what's happening. And I think that they will. I think uh, it, it'll be made clear. That's my hope. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah, we've got this. This uh, bothers me, but no one's surprised by this. The vaccine rollout's not going as planned, AG, uh, as you can imagine. Shocking. Something didn't go well in this administration. As we discussed yesterday, Trump and Secretary Azar promised 20 million vaccines in arms by the end of this month. And as of now, we're sitting at two, two million. And now, as you just heard, and I sent you a little panic text, (laughs) Colorado... Colorado, I was like, it's here. I knew it was here, but Colorado officials on Tuesday reported the first known case in the United States of a person infected with the mutation-laden coronavirus variant that has been circulating rapidly across much of the United Kingdom and has led to a lockdown of much of Southern England. Now, the case involves a male in his 20s who currently is in isolation and has no travel history, which is wonderful. Uh, That's according to a tweet from the office of Governor Jared Polis. So this basically says the individual has no close contacts identified so far, but public health officials are working to identify other potential cases and contacts through thorough contact tracing interviews, which is great. That's what they should be doing. Uh, Research have now detected uh, more transmittable variant in viral samples in at least 17 countries outside of the United Kingdom. And obviously we just got added to that list, including as far away as Australia and South Korea, 
Now, that's a Tuesday afternoon. Officials in Canada had previously said they identified two cases, uh, the first in North America. So this, it's not surprising. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I live in Los Angeles. The numbers here are exploding. I would not be surprised if this was already here, AG. So um, scientists also believe these mutations will not allow the virus to escape. This is very important if you're listening and you're panicking. Scientists believe these mutations will not allow the virus to escape the immune response incited by vaccines, but it does appear to be more transmittable. Again, the vaccine is going to work on this variant. So this basically just means protect yourself more than ever before. Wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands, stop touching each other, and you will be okay. If you're not going to get COVID-19 the other way, you have a very good chance of not getting this new variant by following these precautions. The Washington Post says the appearance of the variant in the United States is not a surprise. Officials have been signaling since last week that it was likely already present, but simply undetected. Oh, I'm an official now. Yes. That's cool. Yes, I you are. Oh, I know. I know you know your shit. Your beans are official, dude. And I'm going to call you dude. <laughs> but with our, you know, with our shitty testing and tracing programs... Uh, we are going to find it late. We knew we were going to find it late. And the fact that this person who has it, they've detected in this person who do- hasn't traveled and doesn't have any direct contacts, that means that it, it, we're already at the community spread phase of this variant. Right. So, you know, and Biden makes his, had made his remarks today, some uh, more remarks, very frustrated by the vaccine distribution or failure of the vaccine distribution. He said he will invoke the Defense Production Act, something Trump refused to do earlier this year with testing supplies. Remember when, you know, there were, everyone was like, we can test. We just don't have swabs and we need PPE. We need masks to yep. test. And, and we were like, well, good luck. And everyone like was a free for all, like a ebay uh for governors at that point and that was on testing supplies it's going to be the same with vaccine distribution because you need syringes you need ppe you need all that stuff so uh he's going to invoke the defense production act which trump did not do and he has set a goal biden has set a goal of getting the american people 100 million shots in their arms in the first 100 days of his administration but warned that even at that pace at 1 million vaccinations a day we would fall seriously behind and congress needs to act to fund the states to undertake this daunting task which he called quote the greatest operational challenge this nation has ever faced so well and so they've also figured out ag the variant has a higher attack rate so that's according to the uk report which bolsters the hypothesis that the variant has outcompeted other versions of the coronavirus and is now the dominant variant across much of the united kingdom so among people known to have been exposed to someone already infected with the variant, 15.1% became infected. Ugh. People, Yeah, that's very high. People exposed to someone infected with the non-variant version had a 9.8% infection rate. Now, um, the, the difference suggests the variant's more transmittable, but the health agency said more investigations needed to bolster the hypothesis. Um, mm. Now, the United States, despite having the world's highest number of documented infections, has a weak track record in publishing geno- um, genomic sequences. Yeah. The process, so that's the process that enables researchers to track the changes in the virus. Um, most of the sequences have been published by academic or private research institutions. Now, by contrast, the United Kingdom has a national health system with a robust surveillance system. So they've actually been ahead of us on this. And one of the things that I want people to realize, though, even though it's more transmittable, They've said this, it's not more deadly. No. So, but more people are getting sick. The problem is, especially in California, our hospitals are overridden. They cannot take any more people. 
So please just take care of yourselves and be safe. Don't take any unnecessary chances, especially before the new year. It's just not worth it. It's just not. That is why for New Year's, instead of going out, you should stay in and watch the comedy show that Dana will be doing on Thursday night. You should. And we may have just added a little bit more to the comedy. I think I have my dear friend Ty Herndon, who's a big, I hope people know Ty. He's a great country music star. He may come on and say hi, and I'm trying very hard to get him to sing. But if not, he's always got a message (laughs) of hope. Um, He's a good, good man. So, Well, bring me on and I'll sing, and then that'll make him want to sing, right? He'll go, oh, no, 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 no. Let me please let me there you go oh goodness oh bless your heart (laughs) i motivate other people who can sing to sing that's uh my goal uh all right hey everybody we have some more headlines we'll be right back with them uh stick around after these messages we'll be right back hey everybody it's ag for the daily beans and this episode is brought to you by helix sleep so for the past four years you know i've had trouble sleeping i thought most of it had to do with the orange goblin in the white house but as it turns out it's not just the fire hose of crazy news that's coming at us every day i had a garbage mattress but all of that ended with helix so here's what it is helix sleep understands you're unique they customize a mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best they uh, created this online sleep quiz takes two minutes to complete they use the answers to then match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you and this is the most incredible mattress I've ever had. Uh, If you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or if you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched personally with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me, but you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was actually awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020, not just by me and Mandy and Joelle and Jordan, but by GQ and Wired Magazine as well. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. And they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, so it takes the hassle out of it. But you will love it. And Helix is offering up to $200 off for all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. We have some headlines from under the radar, some palace intrigues, some weird stories. And the first one uh, is about that Delaware computer repairman at the center of the Hunter Biden Etch-A-Sketch story. I'm sorry, laptop story that (laughs) popped up before the election. Uh, He filed a defamation lawsuit against Twitter on Monday, and it was dismissed on Monday. John Paul Mac Isaac attempted to sue Twitter for $500 million in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida and was immediately shot down because the complaint, quote, failed to allege complete diversity. Now, the complete diversity requirement means no plaintiff shares a state of citizenship with any defendant. But Twitter is incorporated in Delaware and Mac Isaac is a Delaware resident. So for this reason, the judge said the court lacked jurisdiction. Quote, according to the complaint, defendant made false statements that the plaintiff is a hacker in reference to materials obtained by the New York Post and shared on Twitter in an expose concerning the contents of Hunter Biden's computer hard drive. For the reasons set forth below, the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction. And that's the U.S. District Judge Beth Bloom saying in a brief on Monday, sua sponte dismissal in her sua sponte dismissal that was entered into the docket on Tuesday for a court to have diversity jurisdiction pursuant to 28 U.S. Code 1332 Section A, all plaintiffs must be diverse from all defendants. Interesting. Hmm. Learn something new today. Can't be from the same state. As a result, the judge dismissed the case without prejudice, meaning it could be filed again if Mac Isaac was able to establish that the court is, has jurisdiction to hear the case, and he could also go to state court in Delaware. So there's that. 
AG, just for my clarification, is the computer guy's last name Mac Isaac? Is his, I'm sorry, is his name really Mac Isaac? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so we okay. opened a Mac store because that's, you know. Because your last name is Mac Isaac. Oh my God. I'm going to open a gold store. I'm just going to sell gold. <laughs> I love gold. <laughs> come in, come in. We'll have one. <laughs> oh, this next story, oh my goodness, comes from Mother Jones. This is about one of my least favorite people, Kelly Loeffler, as she campaigns for the re-election on January 5th runoff. Uh, the super wealthy former corporate executive and Republican donor who was appointed in late 2019 to a vacant U.S. Senate seat in Georgia has had to deal with bruising revelations about her personal finances and business dealings. Now, these include the fact that when she entered the Senate in January 2020, she was given a spot on the Agriculture Committee. She oversees government regulations of the Fortune 500 business where she was recently a top officer. Totally normal. uh, Totally normal. Uh, The company, Intercontinental Exchange, known as ICE, I'm sure she loves that name because she's racist as fuck, Um, in (laughs) exchange known as ICE, owns and operates a number of financial and commodity exchanges regulated by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which falls under jurisdiction of the Agricultural Committee. Now, Loeffler's assignment to that committee seemed a whopping conflict of interest because it was. Uh, She still owned between five and 25 million in ICE stock and her husband, Jeffrey Sprecher, who is it CEO? Now, worse Loeffler. <laughs> I know. I just, it just goes on. I mean, the corruption, the grifting, it just goes on and on. Just follow the money. Worse, Kelly was placed in the committee's subcommittee on commodities, which has direct oversight of the CFT. <laughs> Wait, the committee's commodities committee? Yep. The committee's don't make com- me, committee. Don't make me say it again. Don't make me say it again. What is wrong with you? Yes, the committee's subcommittees of commodities. <laughs> On commodities, fuck. The Committee Subcommittee on Commodities, which has direct oversight of the CFTC. Now, in response to criticism, she left the subcommittee in May, but remained a member of the full committee. Yet, Mm. one piece of this tale has received little notice, and this is where we come in, because you're such a good investigator. Her conflict of interest was even more pronounced. For while Loeffler was on the Commodities Subcommittee, (laughs) thank God I don't drink before five o'clock. The Commodity Subcommittee, the CFTC, took several actions that impacted ICE. This means Loeffler was overseeing regulators at the same time. They were engaged in activity affecting a company she was intimately tied to as a current shareholder, former executive, and the spouse of its CEO, Allison. You can't have a bigger conflict of interest than this. I mean, I'm sure you could, but it'd be really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. So here, here, so she sat on a subcommittee for commodities on (laughs) whose regulations were directly responsible for the success of this company that her husband is the CEO of. Yes. I, as a former government employee, cannot for two years get a job with or work with any contractor affiliated with the government agency that I was working for. I'm not allowed to. If I do that, I could go to prison. But here she is making government decisions that line her pockets. So much money. She's stealing so much money from the people. It's gross. This is a great next story, though. I, I'm excited about the story. I know. I love this, too. First of all, because Megan Rapino is my hero. I absolutely love her. Anything that leads with Megan Rapino, I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Uh, Megan Rapinoe, Billie Jean King, and 174 other female athletes have signed an amicus brief in support of transgender girls and women playing sports as their gender identity. Uh, a woman, uh, it says, quote, as women and LGBTQ plus athletes, uh, they submit that all youth deserve an equal opportunity to participate in sports alongside their peers. Such equal opportunity benefits the entire sports community. The brief was filed in Hecox versus Little, which is a lawsuit brought against the state of Idaho, which passed a law this year banning transgender girls and women from competing in school sports as girls and women. The law also allows for female student athletes gender to be challenged and requires an athlete to undergo medical exams to prove it, quote unquote. This part infuriates me. It's so invasive and it's just psychologically damaging, AG. Yeah. And a doctor, the law says, will have to examine the athlete's genitalia, hormones and DNA and make a determination of their gender. Something that Democrats pointed out is not recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um yeah, a little, little more than not recommended. Boise State University athlete Lindsay Hecox, who is transgender, the ACLU filed federal lawsuit against Idaho Governor Brad Little to overturn the law. That's who filed the lawsuit against Idaho Governor Brad Little. And now she's getting help from some of the most famous women in sports in the world. Billie Jean King writes, there is no place in any sport for discrimination of any kind. I'm proud to support all transgender athletes who simply want the access and opportunity to compete in the sport they love. The global athletic community grows stronger when we welcome and champion all athletes, including LGBTQI plus athletes, unquote. The Trump administration has also filed a brief in the case defending the Idaho law by saying it protects cisgender people from transgender athletes. Because he's transphobic as fuck. I cannot wait until this administration is gone. It is infuriating. Protects them. Protects cisgender athletes. From <sighs> it's so annoying. I have so much to say about this, but I know we don't have time. We should do a whole episode on this. Um, all right. So this next one, also uh, our favorite human being, <laughs> Donald Trump, apparently isn't happy with his soon-to-be full-time home. Yes, CNN has reported that the president became moody. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the Chiron on CNN. They're like, Trump is grumpy. Trump's grumpy. grumpy he, he, became very, he became very moody, AG, after seeing the renovations to his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida, many of which were overseen by the First Lady. That's the my favorite part. Yeah, and, and what, what could be worse than the crappy brass railings and, and shitty uh, Denny's art? The, the de- dead rose garden. That was, that was, that plagued Mar- we've, we've seen photos of the omelet bar. It's not very yeah. nice. I don't know what <laughs> could be worse like i although you know with seeing what melania has done to some stuff hmm, could be worse so that's what everyone's saying it's a quote he was not happy with it a source told cnn among the reported changes in decor were the addition of a white marble and dark wood which the president has removed i'm gonna go guess it's because of the dark wood <laughs> I'm sure he has no problem with the white marble, AG. He would love your store. He loves gold, right? He he wants Ugh. everything to be gold and gold plated and brass and and so if he yeah. sees like clean lines and uh, you know, neutral finishes, he's probably like not enough gold lines. Yeah. And uh, the president spurned his government's COVID-19 guidelines to travel to the resort during the holidays. The pandemic has killed over 330,000 people in the United States, according to John Hopkins University. Now, despite the raging coronavirus pandemic that has killed so many Americans, the president's annual black tie New Year's Eve party at his Florida resort is still 
on. Mm, even with the terrible new remodeling, how can he? I, I, how could he be? How could he have guests like this? Oh my goodness! And you know what? And, and this is my inside voice, and I know it shouldn't come out. Fucking let him do it. I'm so tired of these people flaunting the coronavirus in our faces. I'm just furious that a lot of the people that are going to be there probably already got the vaccine because they're part of his inner circle. So the President Trump's year-end parties at Mar-a-Lago, they're always really lavish. You know, the Palm Beach uh, Post reported, and after drawing hundreds of guests, while there's no official word on the size of this year's guest list, CNN reports that a member of Mar-a-Lago heard buzz of at least 500 reservations have already been confirmed. I wonder if there's going to be like Pompeo's Christmas party where he had like 900 people and 70 showed up and so he just refused to come down and give his speech. I wonder if it's going to be like that. I mean, I would love to think so, but they think this guy's their messiah. I think they're going to put their lives in danger for this idiot. Ugh. Yeah. No one cares about Pompeo. Sorry, dude. (laughs) Oh, twice in one episode. I I just told you last episode, I never say it. And look what you've done to me. Sorry. Of course, it's my fault. I'll I'll work on it. I opened with it, you know, and then it just keeps happening. Yeah, I do blame you. I do apologize. I will take responsibility for my language. Me as well. And I am working to fix it. In fact, we could bleep those. You know what? It's fine. We'll we'll just learn. We'll just move on and learn. We're not going to dwell on it. Uh, Here's some good news. A federal judge in Georgia on Monday ordered two counties to reverse a decision that would purge more than 4,000 voters from the rolls ahead of the January 5th runoff election that will decide control of the U.S. Senate. The judge, Leslie Abrams Gardner, the sister of former gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, a prominent ally of President-elect Joe Biden, who has led voter registration efforts across the state, concluded that the counties appeared to have improperly relied on unverified change of address data to invalidate registrations in two counties. The bulk of the registrations that the counties sought to rescind, more than 4,000, were in Muskogee County, which Biden won handily in November. An additional 150 were from Ben Hill County, which Trump won by a wide margin. The suit, brought by Marjorie, uh, excuse me, <laughs> like Marjorie Forward, <laughs> Majority Forward, represented by the National Democrat- Democratic Party attorney Mark Elias, followed an effort uh, to challenge the lengthy roster of voters. So that the lawsuit was actually brought by Democrats to challenge the purge. Good. Um, and this followed an effort to challenge the lengthy roster of voters simply because their registrations appeared to match U.S. postal change of address records. Um, what? Okay. Voting officials in the two counties agreed to remove the voters despite warnings from Democrats that such postal data is not reliable or conclusive, and nor a conclusive indicator that a voter has given up their local residence. So... There we go. Those those 4,000 voters will not be purged from the rolls ahead of this January 5th runoff. Which is wonderful. Yeah, I'm very happy about this. This is a huge win for Mark Elias, who is doing incredible work. If you're not following him on Twitter, you can follow him at Democracy Docket and at Mark E. Elias. So coming up next, I'm going to chat with former U.S. attorney and host of On Topic, the podcast. And his name is Renato Mariotti. And we're going to discuss that lawsuit brought by the smartest man in the world, Louis Gohmert. Uh, that's the one we <laughs> talked about yesterday. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. So, and you're going to love it. He and I are just like, well, let's talk about the legal aspects. I still can't figure it out. So it's it's pretty great. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, which is providing professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. 
We all face difficulties and stress in life, especially now, but the important thing is to remember you don't have to face these challenges alone. So if you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living uh, your happiest life, I recommend BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's actual licensed professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. As you know, I've had my own hard times with PTSD and anxiety and I know how important it is to seek out rather than to try to have to face it alone. BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide. They have a broad range of experts that might not be locally available in your area, but they are through through BetterHelp because you can log on uh, your account anytime and anywhere and send a message to your counselor and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. And they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid's available. So visit their website and read some testimonials like this one from user MA who says, Kristen Scott Groves is helping me to reconnect with myself the way that I would have never felt possible after many years in a toxic relationship. Her thoughtful comments and questions have really challenged me and her suggestions for dealing with my anxiety have been simple and easy to incorporate into my daily life. I'm starting to feel more joyful and in charge of my own feelings again. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is former U.S. attorney and host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti. And we're going to discuss what I touched on a little bit yesterday about Representative Louis Gohmert suing Mike Pence to try to get him to not certify, quote unquote, the election on, on January 6th. Renato, welcome. Thank you. Always good to be on with you. It's great to talk to you uh, as well. And so yesterday, you know, my armchair legal analysis was this is ridiculous. I don't I, you know, I, I, I read through the complaint. I was like, I feel like he doesn't have standing. Why is he suing Pence when it appears his complaint is with the wording in the constitution i guess i it's hard i can't even quite make heads or tails of what specifically he's complaining about but isn't it true that what mike pence does what the vice president does uh on on january 6th is really just a formality he's just reading results you know isn't that kind of how that is yeah it's really a bizarre uh bizarre lawsuit so it makes sense that your reaction was this is crazy that was also my reaction to it. And I, I got to confess to you, AG, I didn't even think it was worth more than that. I mean, I think I tweeted out like this is absurd or something like that. And I didn't even bother to really delve into it. And it was surprising to me. how uh, There's a lot of people who are concerned because just the mere fact of filing a lawsuit, people are concerned, will this go somewhere? Uh, the good news is, no, this is going nowhere. Um, you do have a good instinct. So as, uh, as you're, you know, as a future lawyer, um, you're right. The concept of standing is part of it, is part of the issue here. So uh, what standing means is essentially uh, it, 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 that only people who are directly impacted or, or hurt by a particular action can sue regarding that. So in other words, uh, we don't in the Constitution doesn't allow me to sue, uh, you know, you just because I don't like your podcast unless it's harmed me in some way. Like I can't just go to court and try to get courts to solve all the world's problems. And so the, the question here is, you know, who would be the obvious party to bring a suit in a case like this? Well, it would be, of course, Donald J. Trump for president, right? Or, or Trump himself, right? They would, you know, him and his campaign would be the obvious people. If anyone's going to be harmed, 
by how the votes, the electoral votes are counted, it would be the Trump campaign. They, of course, aren't bringing a suit. They're certainly not going to sue Mike Pence, who's on the ticket. So it's just it's sort of bizarre. So what 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 the what Congressman Gomer did is not only he doesn't have standing because it doesn't really I don't think it impacts him at all one way or the other uh, how this the votes are counted the electoral votes are counted so he's tried to get all these other plaintiffs uh, involved he's got the state legislature certain state legislators in Arizona he's got the elector the the Trump electors he's trying to find other people who may have standing what I'll say is it's I mean. Are there arguments you can make as to why the electors may have standing? I, I don't know. I don't. I, it would be. It's hard to imagine, but it's it's more plausible that 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 they would have standing than that the actual substance of the suit would go anywhere for a whole host of reasons. But one of which is, I think you also alluded to, is that the Constitution does not say that the vice president unilaterally decides which electoral votes are counted and which ones aren't. All it says is essentially that the vice president essentially uh, you know, opens up the results and unseals the results, and then the votes are counted. It doesn't say by whom. It doesn't say that, some, that the vice president makes that decision. And I think this, there's some common sense that everyone has. In other words, if the vice president could just decide which electoral votes to count, then we wouldn't need to have an election. The vice president would always to just determine who the president is. It makes no sense. I wish I'm sure Al Gore would have liked to have known that in, in 2000. Right. <laughs> right. So it, yeah, it makes no sense. So um, it's going to go nowhere. The other problem with uh, well, the other there are many problems with it. Another kind of huge problem with it is essentially what he's asking is for a court to tell Mike Pence what to do regarding his constitutional duty Kind of in the future, I, I mean, so essentially, I I want you to force Mike Pence to make a determination about what votes to count. Even if Mike Pence had that power, it's not clear to me that a court has the authority to tell him how to exercise that power in advance. Um, so very bizarre lawsuit, to, to put it mildly. Yeah, and so apparently there's this thing called the 1887 Electoral Count Act, and that is the federal law that dictates Pence's role in announcing these results as being simply ceremonial, right? And Gomert is saying that that law violates the 12th Amendment, which provides for separate electoral, electoral college votes for president and vice president. And I couldn't, I still can't in my head put those two things together, how they're even related. Uh, and, and so many times we've seen in a lot of these post-election lawsuits brought by the Trump campaign or voters uh, uh, who voted for Trump, that a lot of times we see the judges saying, let me tell you what you should have done and why I would still dismiss the case even if you did it right. Um, <laughs> for example, the two voters in... Uh, I think it was in Michigan, who were complaining that their ballots weren't cured because Republicans in their specific counties don't allow for ballot curing. And so they were voting to overturn everybody's vote instead of the proper remedy to even ask for would be to count their votes and cure their two ballots. And the judge was like, even if that were the case, I still wouldn't be able to rule on this 
because of nine different procedural problems with the lawsuit. So I feel like that's kind of where we're at with this case. Even if he even if he could explain to me in words that made sense how this law is a violation of the 12th Amendment, I still don't think there would there would just be so many other procedural problems with it before you even get to the merits. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's there's this is one of those cases, those suits in which it's it's easier to figure out it's harder to figure out what's right about it than what's wrong. Okay. There's so many problems with the suit just conceptually. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, you ask, well, how is this, the, this act that determines elect counting electoral votes violate the constitution? It's not clear to me from reading the complaint, what their argument is either. I mean, they do mention that procedure. You talk about this in the constitution, but that really has nothing to do with anything. You know, the, the relevant provision is the one that I said, which is essentially that the vice president opens up the 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 uh, votes and they, they are counted. It doesn't really say by whom. And of course, the act spells that out. This this uh, this act that you were referring to. Not clear why they're in contradiction at all. So, I you know, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. I know it's before a Trump appointed judge. As we found out, that doesn't really mean anything. We've had pl- plenty of the Trump appointed judges reject his campaign suits. Uh, a simple way to do it would be standing, as you pointed out. Just say, oh, there's no standing. You could have a one-word order um, on that, on, or some very short order on that basis alone. Yeah, so like the judge could say, hey, even if your point was for to have this court rule that Pence can decide who is going to be the president, we wouldn't be able to do that even here, even if that were a real thing, because, you know, that's the future and this is in the past and, and you or you want me to change a law that already has applied and would continue to apply. It just I, it just blows my mind that I, I it's so hard for me to put together, Renato, in my head, like what, how this would even work. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, is it possible to sue for something that happens in the future? Sure. If there's an imminent harm that's going to happen to you, you know, this tree is going to fall on my house or something. OK, um, but, you know, really here, it's not really clear what Mike Pence is going to do, essentially saying Mike Pence is going to act against his own self-interest. He has the power to make himself vice president for four more years. He's not going to do so. Why? I don't Why I don't know. It's like unexplained. Um, and we are so we're suing to force him to do something, exercise his judgment differently, because we believe he has the, the judgment and discretion to do this. And so we want you to declare this law unconstitutional and force Mike Pence to perform his constitutional duties in a different way. Why? Because I don't know. Why are these people harmed by it? Not entirely clear. Uh, I, I mean, it's just on its face. It's kind of silly. Um, the, and the whole concept that the vice president gets to decide who's president. I mean, in and of itself, it's not supported by the Constitution or history or or anything or practice. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. And we've, we've seen the Supreme Court rule uh, in a, one of these cases recently saying we can't even hear this. This isn't jurisdiction. This This case isn't ripe yet, quote unquote. Right. Meaning. Mm-hmm. Even if Pence doing this harmed you, you you can come back to us later, and if you can show that you were harmed by this action that's already occurred, uh, it still wouldn't work. But like, at least that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, I mean, I, another reaction a judge could have is like, we don't know what Pence is going to do. You know, he's presumably going to act in the interest of the Trump Pence slate if he has the legal authority to do so. So it's not right. It's another. Another way of approaching the same issue. I guess what I would just say is this underscores something that your listeners know and a lot of but a lot of people don't. 
which is that just because something's filed in a lawsuit doesn't mean it, it it's worth the paper that it's printed on. We've read enough, we've all read enough Devin Nunez lawsuits to know that they're that just because something's in a lawsuit doesn't mean it's anything more than pure garbage, and that this belongs in that category. Yeah, it's just you know you start to wonder when somebody's going to stand up and say, "All right, enough with this." Uh, you're it's just a complete waste of the court's time. Yeah, I have to say, uh, you know, it's it's interesting in in Michigan. Of course, uh, the attorney general is seeking, I think, sanctions against one litigant. You know, th- it'll be very interesting to see if in some of these cases, if judges do that, they are very reluctant to impose sanctions. And, you know, perhaps, you know, this is the sort of case in which you really should. I mean, if I was the judge in this case, I'd have a lot of questions for this attorney about why he thought this was an appropriate suit to file, because it it really is nonsensical to me. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for going over these legal reasons for my initial correct reaction that this is just absurd. I appreciate (laughs) your time today. Everybody check out the On Topic podcast, former U.S. Attorney Renato Mariotti. I appreciate your time today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG. My favorite part of the day now is shower. Uh, And here in California, we've gone through a lot of droughts and stuff. And and as you know, just because of climate change the way that it is, it's really important to save water. And now there is somebody that is revolutionizing the shower experience. It's called Nebbia. And it's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook. And it's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water. And it's anything but ordinary. The Nebbia takes your shower to a whole new level. It's like going to a day spa. It's, I feel so relaxed. It's amazing. Uh, and this Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is the most advanced shower by Nebbia yet, with twice the coverage and half the water usage of standard shower heads. Despite using 45% less water, its spray is 81% more powerful. Nebbia's atomized droplets can rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest, longest hair. It can be easily installed in 15 minutes. It's easier than installing a light bulb. So Nebbia balances functionality with clean aesthetics and beauty, too, so that's available in four premium finishes to complement any bathroom. They've got white and chrome, spot-resistant nickel, matte black, and black and chrome. And they offer accessories like shelves and shower curtains, which pair perfectly with the shower's design. The Nebbia by Moen Spa starts at just $1.99 for the Daily Beans listeners. Uh, and we have an extra deal. The first 100 people to use the code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 15% off site-wide. Nebbia rarely does deals like this, so it's a great deal to jump on. So go to Nebbia.com beans. That's N-E-B-I-A dot beans to check out what they have to offer. Again, the first 100 people to use the code BEANS when checking out will save 15%. That's Nebbia.com beans and use the code BEANS to save 15%. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Ah, it's that time of the day we get to talk about <sighs> good news and confessions and corrections, and I'm excited. We've got a lot of great submissions. If you have any you want to submit, we can include your, uh, you know, pod pet or kid pictures, kiddos, friendos, whatever you got. Let's see them. Send them in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And you can also send in corrections or if you've got a dispute that you want settled in Amy's court, she'll be here on Friday. Uh, and those are always fun. So do, you can do that, too. <laughs> Uh, All right. This one looks incredible. I always scroll ahead now and look at the pictures and I shouldn't because I like to be surprised. But now I already know what's coming. So this is from Jojo Rock, pronouns she and her. Hello, my beans queens. My good news is that my big sister, number three of four, has been working hard since August to make all of her friends and our family 
Octopus hats. <laughs> yes, we are the Octo Squad. I am so stupidly proud of my big sister putting her quarantine to good use. I'm also ecstatic since this sister is more of a techie than art than an artsy person, but she has really been branching out and she's received an award for some of her writing. So huzzah to Lenny and me, of course. I will attach the requisite pod pet tax of my other big sister's bestest pupper, Augie, who has recently departed for Valhalla. That's Valhalla for dogs. And don't you dare fucking cry, because I would never want the sweetest baby to be mixed with sorrow. <laughs> and I know she no longer hurts. Aww. So thank you, ladies, for assisting in the biggest fucking fight of our lives. And I feel like y'all are my buddies, and it's appreciated. Look at these hats. I love them. Did you see the octopus teacher, my octopus teacher on Netflix? No. Oh my God, AG, if you get a chance to watch it, please do. It's this incredible documentary, but I'm sure this isn't what the octopus hats have to do with, but it will touch your heart like nothing, nothing else. It's incredible. So just if you're watching, if you're listening to this and you've got an extra hour, two hours, um, at any point in the next few weeks, watch my octopus teacher. Okay. I will. I will do it. Look at the baby. Look at the baby at the end. <laughs> so proud. So regal. So in yes. the sunlight. Yes. Chin up. Chin up. Oh, what a honey. These these hats are amazing. I want one of these. They are really cute. Oh, so good. So good. We got more stuff coming. This is from Carly. Pronoun oh. she and her. Oh, what was that noise? <laughs> Pictures. You better stop scrolling. <laughs> so Carly what? says. Nope. Carly says, so I've been meaning to write for a while because I've been waiting for good news, but instead I've decided to start what I hope will be a series of good news updates moving forward. Ooh. I was supposed to marry the love of my life in June, but sadly, due to COVID, not only did we have to cancel our wedding, but we've also had to ride out the pandemic apart. Oh. The good news for now is that I took a risk and flew down to the Dominican Republic to see him over Thanksgiving, and we spent an amazing week together after being apart for an entire year and having to spend our would-be wedding date apart as well. Needless to say, it's been a tough year for so many reasons, and I really needed a week to recharge and watch Netflix with my, hus with my future husband while he cooked multiple fabulous meals for me. He's a chef by trade. I'm also happy to report that my Spanish has improved drastically in the past year. Thank you, Duolingo. <laughs> Although it's extremely hard to leave him again, I'm grateful that I had this time together to get us through the next several months. Please keep us in your thoughts, and I will update you again when the immigration process starts moving again and we finally have a date for our visa interview which is the final step in the process that we have been waiting for since february now as my tax i've attached two photos of myself and me casi esposo um, my almost husband uh, from the latest trip i have also attached photos of my two recent rescue pooches daisy the Jacoby or Beagle Jack Russell, and Odie, the Chewini and Chihuahua Dachshund mix, whichever you prefer. Not pictured in my 12-year-old, not pictures my 12-year-old son, Jack, who does not appreciate me sharing pictures of him, but says hi. Thank you, ladies, for keeping me informed and helping me get through this very tough time. Chewini or uh, Wiener Wawa? <laughs> oh. Would be a Wee Wawa. A wee wah -wah. The weenie wah -wah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, what a lovely couple. Very lovely couple. I'm so glad you both had this time together. Mm. And good for you for making it through the pandemic, man. This has been tough. Yes. Yes, it has. Um, especially apart. And that's like on your would-be wedding day too. It's like, oh, that's like, that's got to be so hard. But um, better things in 2021. Like like this like somebody tweeted, let's just enter slowly. Don't touch anything. 
<laughs> Everything in 2021 will be okay. Uh, next up from Erica, pronouns she and her. I started listening to the pod a few months ago after a friend recommended it to me, and now it's my go-to pod of the day. I live in Italy, and I stay up to date on the news back home through podcasts. Yours gives me that, plus laughter, and feel-good stories I so badly need during these times that are filled with so much sadness. It drops each day right around the time I break for lunch, take our dog Bruno for a hike. Sometimes I laugh a little too hard or my voice or voice my outrage at the orange man right along with you and other hikers look at me funny, which is embarrassing, but that's okay. I come uh, back home right around the good news segment and that combined with the fresh air leaves me feeling refreshed. On to my good news. My husband has a telecommunications company and they're installing fiber optic networks in the northern and central into northern and central Italy right now. He went over to check on one of his teams a couple weeks ago and they all went out for lunch. While they were there, a guy came up to them and wanted to sell them socks. He's in his early 20s, came here as a refugee from the Middle East. Unfortunately, this is the kind of work most refugees and non-white immigrants in Italy end up having to do. My husband told him he didn't need any socks, but if he had a driver's license and was legally allowed to work, he'd have a job. He'd have a, he did have a job opening. So yesterday was his first day. He told my husband how happy he was to be able to send money home to help his family. With a nationalism as prevalent here as it is back home, I'm happy to have married someone who sees the humanity in everyone. Attached pod pet tax. Charlie is my 13-year-old chihuahua pug uh, who I adopted back in New York and brought here with me. He's getting old, so his two main activities are eating and farting, especially as he goes up the stairs. <laughs> He's like up the stairs like fart, fart, <laughs> fart, fart, fart. I'm going to call him He's... a chug. Can we call him a chug? <laughs> yes, a chug. Yes. <laughs> a chihuahua pug is a yeah, chug. He's a chug. <laughs> Each time my husband says, he's just giving it a little gas. <laughs> <laughs> then there's Bruno, our seven-year-old Legato Romanolo. He's a truffle hunting dog. Whoa. Ooh. And he's responsible for some of our yummiest meals. Oh, my God. And there's our cat, Otis. Otis was having a, a ground floor storage room. Otis was living in a ground floor storage room of our house when we moved. And he's basically pulled a George Costanza on us. Slowly just started coming inside and pretending he lived here. <laughs> and he's so cute. <laughs> we just had to have him. He's huge at 13 pounds. So we call him. Uh, that's going to be uh, something in Italian. Orizane molto grassone. Pronounced Orizane molto grassone. I was right. Yay. Finally, there is a fox that comes by every night for the egg I leave at our front door. Oh it doesn't goodness. have a name because we don't know if it's male or female, and I'm not going to get in there to look. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, I'm sorry. Whoever's editing, I think I might have just blown the microphone on that one. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. I hope you have a happy new year. <laughs> look at the chug. Oh my, oh my goodness. Gosh. Look at the fox. Derp. That's a derpy Look fox. Look at the other one. <gasps> the ears. Wait, what kind of dog is this? Is that the truffle finding dog? Oh my goodness. Oh. It has to be. Yeah, it's called a, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Logotto Romagnolo. Oh my goodness. That dog is adorable. And look at that very, very large kitty. Oh, he's big. He's very much covering his part. <laughs> or her <laughs> part. very, very, um... Very proper. Got yeah. What it, what do we call it? Uh, oh, what is the word? Uh, modesty. It's a modesty tale. I was going to call it a castity belt. <laughs> I got a snort, everyone. I got the damn snort. I'm taking it and I'm running. We're moving on. <laughs> you did it. This one's from Uncle Ron, pronouns he and him. Hi, new friends. Spring 2020. The last of my partner's children was finished up in high school. We just bought a house in Michigan's Upper Peninsula for $10,000 cash. The oh. pandemic struck. 
I ended my job and started Social Security retirement payments. At the end of May, the week before we moved, our darling Havanese got pancreatitis. She recovered a week in the hospital, $3,000 later. She and her rescue partner, Gary, uh, we, excuse me, who got the day 45 was installed, who got, who we got the day 45 was installed, went with us to the UP along with the trio of Keres? Keres. Keres. All the same size as the dogs. 15 to 20 pounds. And those ratos. Oh. And three ratos. Three ratos. Mm. I love rats. Okay. I I feel like I'm on drugs. (laughs) I feel like I'm on drugs because half of the words... (laughs) It doesn't speak cheeseburger. Half of the words I'm reading, I'm on, my brain's like, what are you saying? So she has a rescue partner, Gary, who they got the day Trump won. Uh, uh, they have a trio of kittas, which are kitties, uh, same size as the dogs, and three ratos. Those are rats okay. for the first time. Holy cow. For the first time, they would all be able to go outdoors at will. We built a, a patio that I got. We built a patio accessed by pet door out the back door. Soon our first tuxedo, Malky, was lethargic and losing weight. Uh, a vet said she had a belly tumor and probably done for. We got her some dextromethorphan. Jesus. Uh, hormone of choice for COVID-45. Ah, that's what saved his ass. And she perked up and ate a little better for a few weeks. She died November 30th. Sad, but she lived a good life. Got a retirement home. Wood-burned marker in the now fenced-in pet run. The good news is I got a neat little settlement from being attacked. (laughs) I love you guys so much. I love (laughs) the listeners. The good news is I got a little settlement from being attacked by a dog. In 2019. In 2019. And we were able to buy Pokey, a Dalmatian puppy, now becoming equine in size. Malky spent some time with him by the heater on the last day. She liked walking underneath him. So sweet. This is a menagerie they've got going on here. Oh, my (gasps) goodness. Look at the Dalmatian. They're so pretty. Look at the Dalmatian. Aww. And look at the underneath. That's hilarious. There's Malky's marker. Beautiful. Her memory lives forever in our scars. Oh, well, let's see here. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. One. I can hardly believe how fast COVID tests and vaccines came to us in New Mexico. I received part of one of the Moderna vaccines yesterday at work. I'm in healthcare, and we're fucking essential. Hell yeah. <laughs> they provide a link to the CDC who monitors any side effects. Clients will be receiving the vaccine in phase two. Attached is one of my cat people, Alexander the Maine Coon, my bubby boy of 25 pounds. I had to have him put down the day after George Floyd was murdered. I rescued him in 2011. He was beat up. From fighting for food, had garbage gut. He developed diabetes and ultimately died of cardiomyopathy. Number three, a correction. I think the shampoo AG was trying to remember is called Herbal Essence. Yes, that's it. (laughs) Where the gals in the commercial orgasmed while using it. Number four, my Helix mattress is the bomb. I got the Midnight Lux, and at age 69, I can say the only thing better than Helix is sex on a Helix. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Anonymous. I know. Oh, here's the pets. Oh, look at that Maine Coon. What oh a honey. Oh, my God. So <gasps> oh, stop oh. it. Just stop it. Stop. Uh, stop it. Uh, Morgan, pronouns she and her. This is a little confession. I'm the pet mom that dresses her animals up in ridiculous holiday appropriate outfits, included as pet tax to very displeased chihuahuas being forced to be festive. Yes. <laughs> they really... <laughs> are not happy. 
Oh my god. I can't wait for people to see this one Not in the happy. newsletter. Not happy. <sighs> Let's see. Okay, so this little black and white chihuahua's got a green sequined Christmas tree hat oh, yes. with a green and red plaid bow tie and a green-necked red and white striped sweater. And then over to the right, we've got the 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 tan and white chihuahua with sequined reindeer ears and then a looks like a a, a red f- ruffled elf costume and striped sweater this is incredible they really are cute <laughs> and they are very displeased oh very displeased <laughs> i mean chihuahuas in general start at a displeasure level of like six and these are in, <laughs> these are at about a ten yeah the baseline chihuahua displeasure level is uh-huh. <laughs> it's pretty up there <laughs> Oh, these are so great. Thank you. I needed this today. I appreciate this, everybody. Oh, thanks for the laugh. My goodness. My goodness. (sighs) Who has it the good news that they were attacked by a dog? What? They got a settlement. The good news was the money. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love love you guys so much. Seriously. Thank you. And uh, yeah, sorry about my overreaction there at that last photo. I just, it was, it was a short blurb of words followed by a giant photo of these two chihuahuas in their festive holiday outfits. And I couldn't, I couldn't uh, contain my reaction. Uh, Anything before we get out of here, Dana? No, I just, we're getting through it. We are almost done, everyone. Just keep, (laughs) keep on going. Keep on going. Couple more days, couple more days. And then 20 more after that. (laughs) Then it's good. Then it's good. Uh, All right, everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.